0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Australia have retained the ashes. A 185-run win in the fourth test at Old Trafford, giving Tim Payne's team an unassailable 2-1 lead in the series. It means they will be the first visiting side to return home with the urn since England's victory down under eight years ago. The margin of victory in Manchester only tells part of the story, though. As Craig Overton and Jack Leach blocked, ducked and weaved their way through 14 overs of Australian bombardment, England fans dared to dream of a second miracle in the space of a fortnight. But this time, Australia held their nerve. Josh Hazlewood ending Overton's courageous innings to seal the win. In truth, it was nothing less than the Aussies deserved. Today, as they have been through much of this series, they were just too strong for a spirited but fallible England side. Welcome to the Wisden Ashes Daily Podcast. Uh, I'm your host for today, Joe Harmon, and joining me on the phone is Phil Walker, the editor in chief of Wisden Cricket Monthly. Hello, Phil. Good evening, Joe. So, Phil, as that all kind of unfolded this afternoon, was there any point that you started to think that England could pull this off and we could be heading to the Oval with this series all square and everything to play for? Um,
0: for tiny stolen moments, possibly you started to dream uh, that they might just get away with it yet again. But it's only really the fault of Ben Stokes two weeks ago that has thrown all rationale uh, <laughs> out the window yeah Ben Stokes completed the impossible the literally impossible uh, two weeks ago and and skews everyone's judgments uh, by any normal measure England was stuffed before they even began their second innings and then to lose two in the first five deliveries you should you may as well shake hands there and then but because of the peculiar nature of this series and because of what Stokes did uh, two weeks ago, there, is, there was always that sense that the, the nigh-on impossible might, might reduce to the improbable. And then for one or two moments this afternoon, when I thought Butler was playing very well and Overton was very solid, I just thought maybe this, this crazy topsy-turvy series might have one more moment in it. Reality, of course, began to bite. Um, and Australia's obvious dominance, obvious supremacy, uh, was in the end impossible to withstand.
1: I thought the same actually when there was you could sense from the crowd at, at Old Trafford that with 22 overs to go and Overton to Leach there the crowd were just on their feet roaring as though there were kind of six balls left to face and and it yet yeah, is exactly a product of that of that Stokes innings we're now expecting the uninspe- unexpected um, yeah. even when really the, the chances were, were fairly slim there were a couple of moments I thought when Denley and Roy started well and got through that first what hour and a half I think they did and you think, well, if those two can get through this, two of England's most kind of fallible batsmen, then, then perhaps when Stokes comes in, he can bat for a long, long time. But just as I started to get little bits of hope, then, then it was dashed repeatedly over the course of today, which I guess is like being an English cricket fan. We're, we're, we're well, well used to that over the years. Um, as I alluded to at the top, though, I mean, Australia have their weaknesses, obviously. Uh, Smith yep. and Labashain are that only batsmen to average more, more than 27 in this series. Is that right? But. When you take into account the phenomenon that is Steve Smith and the brilliance of their fast bowlers, in particular Hazelwood and Cummings, is the reality that actually, even with those deficiencies, they're just a bit too good for this England team? Well, yeah, overall,
0: of course. At the start of the series, you and I had a conversation and we said it was going to be a a scrap between two teams boasting two or three champions and a handful of scratch players against the equivalent on the other side. Uh, While Stokes has been far and above England's finest player uh, and Archer has had his moments, none of the other players have really stepped up particularly, whereas on Australia's side you've had three. You've had the two quicks who are not just great quicks of the day, they are great quicks of of cricket full stop and I think... I think Cummins, who is more obviously sexy and more obviously destructive than Hazelwood, I think he will he will enter into the annals come the end of his career. But Hazelwood is not that far behind him. So you have those two. And then, of course, you have Smith, who is statistically worth two and a half batsmen. I mean, this yeah. is how good you're talking about, about,
1: about here. And, well, in this series, you know, it's more like four batsmen, to be honest. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. In the context of this series, a bowler series... For Smith to have done what he's done is staggering. After his first innings, I think he was responsible for 35% of Australia's entire series runs. But this was having missed a test match. <laughs> <laughs> so he's played he's played 75% of their games and he's responsible for 35% of their entire runs. And that was before the second innings where he made another 80 in, in a 180 for six. So that would have just crept up that wee bit more as well. He is... All of the things that we've said, he is uh, a, a, an eccentric genius, a staggering mystery that nobody can quite unpick. Uh, we'll be talking about Smith for years and we still won't get to the bottom of it with him, I don't think. But the, 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 the headline story, of course, is that Australia's champions out-championed England's champions. Uh, and they they lent on their, their support acts at crucial moments. Uh, you saw it at edgeburston as well. Matt, Matt Wade is you know, he's barely a scratch test match player, but he made important runs there. Same with Travis Head. Uh, and their support seamers as well, uh, speak for themselves. I mean, they've they've selected brilliantly, I think, Australia. Yeah. They've rotated their seamers. Hazel didn't even play the first test match. I mean, just just kind of run that one by by you. It's it's extraordinary really how they've how they've chopped and changed with a clear game plan, they brought Stark in for this test match for his first game to, not just to rough up England, but to rough up the rough as yeah. well, to enable uh, Nathan Lyon to, to do his business. I mean, just in brackets on Lyon, he's been curiously ineffective uh, through this series, just like Warner's been ineffective. It, it's, been, it's been interesting to see how the, the second tier Australian cricketers have, have not really stamped their mark that much, not certainly not consistently. Uh, and yet, on the other side of it, you know Stokes has been carrying this team, and he's been carrying it for too long. And eventually, uh, his shoulder gave out, literally and, and figuratively.
1: Well, a couple, a couple of sort of non-cricket fans who've been following this series very closely have said to me, "Well, if you take Steve Smith out of the series, then England would be doing all right; would be winning the series." By the same token, if you took Ben Stokes out of this series, uh, yeah. England England would be four nil down going to the Oval. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, you got you got to do both sides of the argument there. Do you do you feel a bit obviously before these series, you always look at the matchups and the obvious matchup here is is Root and Smith always when these two sides play. Mm-hmm. Do you feel a bit sorry for Root because not only is Root perhaps not in his his best form, I mean he's scrapping hard, but he's matched up against the. <laughs> Possibly the best batsman that's ever played the game, uh, and I say even up against Bradman now. When you take various different factors into account, how how can Root possibly measure up in in this context? Yeah,
0: it, it is it is an unfair comparison um, up to a point, but the frustration will be that uh, Steve Smith is um, his he, his genius lies in the way that he has uh, cultivated uh, this this unique approach to batting. Um, but nobody's going to convince anybody that Steve Smith is a born genius. Um, Joe Root, in terms of ability, is not that far behind Steve Smith, but Joe Root, at the moment, is, is going through that period that most players go through where he is struggling for the first time in his professional career to understand his identity as a batsman. Uh, as we know, he doesn't know where he
1: wants to... Well, we know where he wants to bat, <laughs> yeah, but and that's he, quite is, clear. he is up yeah. and down that order. Yeah, As
0: we know, he began as an opener, he ended up as a four, now he's a three. He doesn't want a bat three, we know he doesn't want a bat three. He uh, stumbled by accident in, into this scenario where he was making 50 after 50. Insane record to get to 50. Uh, and then, slowly but surely, the, the issue of, of the conversion became unavoidable. And then, at the same
1: time, the captaincy was given to him. Yeah. Uh, he's not necessarily an obvious leader
0: in the demonstrative way that leaders are. Uh, he is—he—he he, he is a technician and a batsman first and foremost. Uh, but it seems like the the combination of everything being put on his shoulders is beginning to make the, the the boy sag now for the first time in his career, and he doesn't have enough time at the moment to to address some of the technical deficiencies that. You know, on on our good days, the non-root's good days, of which there have been many, of course, there was a sense that his technique was so watertight that he would survive all the slings and arrows of international cricket. But now we are seeing, unavoidably so, there are chinks technically in the armour of of Joe Root, and it may be up top, it may be simply that there's not enough time in the day in these, these crazy schedules that these players are confronted with for him to address it. But he keeps getting trapped on the pads, falling over to the offside time after time after time. We saw it in the first innings uh, against Hazelwood. 71, I think he got. And again, trapped on the pads, trapped on the crease. Uh, And it's happening too much. It's becoming uh, a technical issue for, for, for Root, which he can only hide behind by moving down the order up to a point. Uh, he may, may move down to four, but then he's going to be in at 30 for two invariably anyway. At the end of this series, it's time for Joe, I think, to, to, to walk away from the game for a week or two, gather his thoughts, and then work with his one true mentor, whoever that may be, and iron out a few of these deficiencies that have begun to creep in to what is an otherwise staggeringly great Test match player. Uh, and he needs to go again. And also whisper it, he needs to ask himself how much he wants this, how much he wants this captain
1: Yeah team. and this this is a question that him and the, the new coach, whoever that might be need to sit down and, and address this, I would say it's the first question they need to address because there is noticeably a spark to root in that one day side and, and fair enough, they're winning yeah. most games, which is noticeably lacking uh, when it comes to this test team and he does look like he's got the the weight of the world on his shoulders, or, or the weight of England's batting order, which perhaps weighs even heavier, and and on that, and talking about some technical deficiencies, uh, well, let's talk about a couple of England's other batsmen, one being Jason. I know Roy- who you're go to. Well, <laughs> Jason yeah. Roy. Well, with a view to the Oval, but then also beyond that, I mean, he battled all his natural instincts this morning and did it quite well for a while. Even though you've still got those hard hands coming at the ball, and it, it feels inevitable that at some point that gap is going to appear, and he's going to the ball's going to disappear through it and, and kind of class of the timbers. But again, again, his innings ended with him kind of doubled over like he'd been kicked in the balls, which is is never, yeah. a, never a great look for a test match batsman. Well, it's never a great look for any kind of batsman, to be honest. And yeah. what what do, what do we... I'm going to be honest here as well. I thought he was worth a crack as an opener. Um, I said this <laughs> at the start of the series. That obviously is not the case. Happy to hold my hands up on that one. But I still do think there is the potential for a middle-order player in there. Do, do you agree with that? Do you think he's worth persevering with? Uh, I,
0: I think it will be a great shame uh, for him to be dropped for the Oval, but I do think he will be dropped for the Oval, and I do think he should be dropped for the Oval. Uh, for who? For for Ollie Pope, without a doubt. I would okay. bring Pope in and I would bat him at four or in this side. Um, what's been so surprising about the Roy story is is, is these glaring technical issues... With the ball that is just angled into off stump. You know, a goodish length, slightly short of a length. As you say, he falls over. He looks doubled up. You can only get away once or twice in a five test match series looking at the pitch with a startled face as if some gremlin yeah. has attacked the ball and sent it sideways. He's doing this every innings or every other innings at best. Uh, it's bizarre that this is a player who's made international runs against good attacks.
1: Against that attack, pretty much against that they Australian good runs attack. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, maybe he's
0: made good first-class runs as well without evidently ever having to play an authentic, straightforward, trademark forward defensive. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's peculiar, uh, to say the least. But I would think at this stage, they have to win at the Oval. I'm not, I'm not convinced by this idea that it's a dead rubber. Uh, I can understand that Australia deserve the plaudits and I understand that Australia will raise the urn and that this series has its own unique narrative. I get that. It will be, at best, a Pyrrhic victory for England if they were to win at the Oval. However, it's a very, very important cricket match. And it's an important cricket match for the future, I think, of this Test match side. Uh, By that token, they need to get the best young middle-order player in in the country into that side, who is in form uh, and has been in form as as long as he's played this year and the back end of last year as well. Uh, It feels perhaps premature... to to remove Jason Roy after five test matches, four against Australia. Uh, But they need to win at the Oval and they need to put a marker down for the future of this side, I think. Uh, There is a sense of renewal that is coming into this side, and I think it's necessary.
1: There is um, also there is also that it is for what it's worth. This is the World Test Championship now exists. These wins count. Yeah. You want to get points on the board, so these these matches. I mean, Ashes dead rubbers have never been dead rubbers, really, but yep. it, even more so now with the World Test Championship. There is more to play for, and 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 careers at, at stake. And massively, I, I guess another one. Uh, run through a couple of these quickly. Joe Denley, much maligned, had a pretty tough summer moving up and down the order, being a leg spinner, not being a leg spinner, being in the world cup squad, not being in the world cup squad. He's obviously got technical issues as well against the short ball. He's got a tendency to play at balls. He shouldn't outside the off stump. These are not great traits of a test match opener, but he clearly does have something about him. He's got, he's got some courage. He's got 15 years worth of experience on, on the County circuit, which has to count for a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. Would you Mm -hmm. stick with him for the oval? I would
0: definitely stick with, with Joe Denley for the oval. Um, I think it would be vicious and cruel to to jettison him um, after the way that he's played in this series. Uh, whether, come the end of the summer, they decide to go with him in, into the winter is a question for them. Uh, I I wouldn't be surprised if they shake hands on Joe Denley's um, shortish career as a Test match player at the end of the summer, but he undoubtedly deserves the Oval and he deserves to open the batting, although you know, he's not going to particularly want to. He's been... Thrust up the order because of Roy's deficiencies, but yeah, I would play Stanley at the Oval without a doubt. As I say, I would drop Roy, I would bring, uh, I would bring Pope in, uh, and just another point on on this order. Uh, I thought Butler today batted for only a hundred odd balls, but showed again, not for the first time this series. Uh, that he has the the ticker and the temperament to deliver as a test match batsman. And he showed it last year when he made tough runs against India. He showed it in the winter when he made good runs against Sri Lanka. There is a lot of premature talk about the role of Butler in this side. Well, for me, I would bat him at six. I would bat him at six for the next seven, eight, nine test matches. Uh, I'm convinced that there is a test player in there and there's been enough evidence in the 14, 15 games since he's come back into the side that there is enough to be working with there. Uh, and I would bat Bairstow at seven with a, with a watching brief. I have to be honest, with a watching brief, he's been out 16 times clean bowl in the last 30-something innings. Um, he he doesn't deserve, I don't think, to bat higher than number seven in this side, uh, and he has the gloves, and quite rightly at the moment, but Ben Ben Fokes quite rightly be breathing down his neck. None of these players anymore, uh, with the exception of one or two, as we well know, are
1: assured of their positions in this side and this is the um, thing with and, with butler i find this as well i mean fair enough he hasn't got the runs that he would like in this series but to talk about dropping him when there are arguably three candidates more likely to be dropped than him but we're not in a position to be dropping uh players like butler who have both got the talent and a track record albeit not over a long period of time but he did have an excellent 2018
0: exactly and and okay you know he left a straight one today a beautiful break back by by hazelwood but uh he he conducted himself today just as he did in the second innings at laws and just as he did in the first innings as well in this test match like a test match player just as he did last summer uh, there is he's done next to nothing wrong since he was brought back into this team we know that he's a champion cricketer if he can bat like he did today self-contained controlled and as he did as he did as well in the first innings yeah. and if he can bat like that when he has to and we know how he can bat when the game is falling for England, when you're trying to force a result, then you're talking here about a multifaceted test match player in the making. And he's still only 28, 29, yeah. you know, test match players. You take Mike Hussey, debuted at 30, played 80 test matches. We have to stick with Josh Butler. We absolutely have to stick with him. He's one of the few players with the talent uh, that absolutely warrants a place in this side.
1: I'd be amazed if they're considering his role at this stage. I I, I don't think there's any indication that that is actually the case. Sure. I think it's Get a frustration it's a different story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then that's Twitter. That is Twitter. That is indeed Twitter. Um, <laughs> best to stay off it, folks. Um, anyway, that is that's all for today. On the day that Australia retained the Ashes, uh, we'll be back in a few days as the series heads south to the Oval uh, and Australia go in search of a first series win in England since two thousand and one. Uh, in the meantime, remember we don't just talk cricket, uh, we write about it too, uh, every day on Wisdom.com and every month in Wisdom Cricket Monthly Magazine. Uh, if you fancy giving the mag a go, you can get your first three copies in print or digital for just £3. So to subscribe to the print version and get your first three copies for £3, go to WisdomSubs.com and use the offer code WCM3FOR319. And to subscribe to the digital version and get your first three copies for just £2.99, go to pktmags.com forward slash pod. That's all for today. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. We're available on Spotify and all the usual channels uh, and the Wisdom team will be back with plenty of chat for the Oval. Network.